So you should have got the message now. Yeah, great. So I'm delighted to welcome our guests this week. Um, we have Steve and Lisa Johnson, who are the co-founders of Dynamic, who have been operating in the learning industry for the last 21 years, working with blue chip clients across many sectors. Dynamic provide high quality, innovative, bespoke learning materials. Also delighted to introduce Donald Ross. Donald is the head of learning and engagement solutions for SAP EMEA North. And Donald has been at the sharp end of learning and development for over 25 years, but we think it's probably more than that, probably closer to 30. Welcome, Steve and Lisa. Welcome, Donald. Delighted, Welcome. delighted to have you. Um, we've got a massive topic on this episode. So we're going to be discussing the future direction of learning and content in the virtual world. Now, the topic of learning and content has arguably come into more of a sharper focus in recent times. I think, you know, the shift to a virtual world in the pandemic is no doubt a contributor. But I think like many things, you know, we can probably chart back five years to the explosion of consumerization and sort of social media to see when our preferences, I think, started to change. And, and I think how we shifted to a different view, perhaps, of consumption in terms of technology uh, and content. So this podcast today will explore um, together, hopefully, some of the thinking around how organizations and learners are approaching learning today. And I, I'd be really interested to get your views on learning strategy, how we're now able to truly operationalize perhaps a more blended approach to learning, pushing more self-directed, but also, I think also understanding how technology is bringing learning into the flow of work and really linking together critical, you know, business and learning processes in, in one place. So meaty topic, and I'm sure we'll all have many views. So to kick things off, um, uh, Steve and Lisa, I, I'd just really like to begin by getting your sort of collective thoughts on what you're seeing or, uh, you know, around the learning landscape today? Okay. From from our perspective, in, in, as you said in the introduction, 21 years we've been involved in the online learning, providing online learning materials. It's never been more exciting than it is right now. There are so many opportunities. It's worth taking a look at the market as a whole and trying to put into context what's happening with the market to start with on a really high level. So if you if you look at approximately 2015, the e-learning or online learning market was worth £85 billion. It's estimated by 2025, it's going to be worth £258 billion. What's also worth considering is going right back to the dot-com bubble burst, which caused the recession in 01. One of the things that happened there to our business was we had an uplift on the back of that recession because people started to look at ways of providing learning in a, in a, a more widespread environment, cheaper production, 
and on the back of obviously people cutting jobs it was a faster way of providing materials across large scale organizations the financial crisis in 0708 also did exactly the same and so just to to pick back up on that point in terms of the estimation of the value of the market that value of the market was before covid and what we see now and what we can see is that covid is going to create an even bigger uplift and the demand for our services is has just been quite phenomenal and that reflects doesn't it steve and these that reflects the shift you know that we're seeing aren't we around the execution of a learning strategy and Absolutely. how the disruptive nature of the world that we live in and the world that we work in and you've referenced to financial crashes plus the pandemic is forcing organizations to think about how they execute differently yeah um without it without a doubt Don, donald to just just to come to yourself um you know building on steve's point there about you know the spend at that point and the spend projected in future there that is reflecting on the sort of that learning landscape today isn't it no com- completely I, I couldn't agree more with with steve's analysis uh there i mean we we've done a a whole lot of um, empirical analysis ourselves here at sap and the the industry projections in relation to growth of the lnd market before the covid uh, impact was double digit anyway uh, but if anything we've seen that accelerate and, uh, and our own um analysis is is quite insightful um over 90 percent of participants in our study uh, said that they were having to change their learning and development strategy as a response to the the, the covid pandemic with two out of three organization uh, and, and practitioners having to change dramatically the, the way that they delivered. But also um, there was a couple of other interesting elements. So um, a significant number um, felt that um, these changes were not going to be easy for their organization to cope with and that were um, adoption of digital learning uh, as a way of delivery um, was not mature in any way. Um, so, so some quite interesting insights to support Steve's analysis there. Absolutely, Michael. And, and I think that point there about that sort of reimagination, I suppose, of the strategy and you know really thinking about that future execution. So, to to, to Lisa and Steve, you know. I think we're all collectively seeing shifts in terms of how you know learning is evolving, how learning strategies are evolving, but then as we just discussed, how that is then being executed. You know, again, working with some of your clients and working with some of your customers, you know, what are you seeing in terms of some of those shifts? Well, we've seen a wide variety of shifts, really. Obviously, one of the biggest things is the fact that people have been working remotely and have possibly been driven to help to upskill themselves, looking at what resources are available to them. So stepping away perhaps from the organisational normal learning pathways and and really helping to to start to focus. And obviously there's such a lot of learning available to people. And I think in today's society, people 
are used to being able to find what they need. They'll go on, they'll do a search. And that's just such a massive shift change culturally. If you look at the last 20 years um, where we are now, everything we need is kind of at our fingertips. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're finding good content. A lot of what they're finding perhaps hasn't been uh, ratified by their organisation. So you can go and find a video how to do something, but is it the right way to do something? Uh, so I think there's some ratification required there. Another big change, I think, is just in terms of the way that managers have had to rapidly evolve. Um, so both in terms of looking at people's skill and competence, but also their emotional well-being and, and the way that people are working at home. And they've had to really adapt the, their operational service. And I think another big factor that we've seen is the closing of the gap, perhaps, between operations and learning and development. So companies have had to change the way they work very rapidly. And that might be, for example, in retail, um, upskilling to be able to enhance an online method of delivery, uh, an online service, so actually retail selling, for example. And so the ops departments have had to work really closely with learning and development to look at how do they bridge that gap very quickly and very effectively. Um, and, and I think that's the, the whole landscape shifted so massively in terms of some of that change. And, and I don't think for some degree that, that that will be reversed. I think it's now going to be a case of taking stock of what's happened, what's been put in place, and, and maybe reviewing everything in terms of what, what are we doing, how do we do it, um, what have we got in place, what's working, what's not working, and really kind of going back to basics. So we're seeing quite a lot of our uh, clients looking at doing a bit of a spring clean, um, and that might be shifting platforms, shifting service, shifting the way they do things. Um, but that's quite quite seismic, I think, in terms of, of scale uh, from where we were maybe this time last year when everybody was kind of in panic mode. You raise so many points, and we're going to drill into a couple of those. Um, on our last episode, we were talking with Gethin Nadine about experience, engagement and well-being, and we talked about the future role of a leader in terms of how they support that and how they enable that. And you're now bringing the, the connection of the leader into this critical space around skill and well-being and how the, the individual feels about their role or where they fit or their capability. Um, and that is such a huge topic. And you also then referenced about the relevancy of content and we're going to come on to that because I really want to drill down into that but before we before we do that Donald I really welcome your thoughts on again you know looking across the piece and reflecting on some of the observations that Lisa's made what are you seeing in terms of learning strategy change and and how organizations are executing yeah, no, I, I would I would agree with um, with with Lisa around um, you know the, the the seismic shift. I mean, let let's let's kind of call out the elephant in the room, which is that the, the getting people into a classroom and delivering instructor led training in the more traditional way. And and as you know, Michael, I I work um, in, in in some parts of the world where where classroom has been the mainstay of of everything for many many years and. And that's gone in in the in the short to medium term anyway, which which has meant seismic shift. I mean, even if you take our SAP education business, which is a significant uh, traditionally classroom business, where we're getting people into classrooms to go through technology for a number of days, that that's gone. So the shift to online has been 
absolutely immense. And then, you know, when we were doing a research, we started to, to, to kind of break that down as to where organisations were seeing an increase um, in, in the types of delivery. Uh, so things like uh, their own internal uh, content creation teams, uh, the use of external companies, such as dynamic to, to deliver that where they would have traditionally you know got a tutor and done that in a, in a traditional classroom digital learning services learning platforms and of course going back to what lisa said around the experience and you know it's stating the obvious that not all content is equal there's there's good content and, and not so good content and then how do you map that and then that's where i think some of the uh, that experience layer. I mean, you, you'll be aware of some of the work that we are doing around Qualtrics and the surveys and the insights, trying to get a feel for what people are, are looking for. And then I think for the individual, I mean, I, I, I know from a personal perspective, speaking to people, that mental health is a major issue as well. So it's getting the right uh, solutions to help and support people at the right time and their flow of work is, is critical. So so these are just some of the, the, the major swings that I'm seeing. The thing that the, uh, they're absolutely right. I think, I think we've all we're all observing the shifts. And I want to go back to something Lisa mentioned around content. So, you know, we were talking earlier this week, weren't we, that um, when you have a problem at home now and you want to fix something, what's your automatic response? And mine typically is I go to YouTube and I go and look for a video. I mean, in particular for me this week, my toilet was blocked. I, I found plenty of videos on how to unblock a toilet. But Lisa, you were mentioning that if we look at how we sort of consume capability and, and how we consume content today, you know, so much of it is self-directed, right? It, it is, we, that, that's I think is the biggest shift of all. But there is so much content, right? How how is this flowing over into the workplace? And to your point, how are organisations ensuring that relevancy, right? The the accuracy, because to your point, Donald, how are we pointing people when we think about well-being, for example, to the right resources, to appropriate content that really will help and focus? It is a massive area because you said there's so much out there. So again, what are you seeing in terms of the sort of the relevancy of the content and the management? Because we know content's king. Well, I think it's it's around looking at the curation uh, piece. I think it's something that organisations are needing to become more savvy on very quickly. Um, the fact that there is a lot of material out there. So obviously looking at what you can sign people to um, in terms of where the good resources are, but also in terms of being able to think about how they revisit what what's important and I think that comes back to the strategy um, what what are we doing and why are you doing it and what do you want people to, to do as a result of learning and I think the, the entire shift at the moment the entire focus needs to be on that so coming back to that kind of period of reflection what's happened what have people learned where are we now and how do we take that forward and I think there's got to be more layering so you need to be able to think about for example, it's fine for people to do some self-directed learning and the organisation can help and signpost and create materials because obviously what you find when you go out for learning is that it's not necessarily on point in terms of your internal processes and procedure. So you need that gap filling. 
Um, you also need then to look at what else do they need. That might be well-constructed video. It might be some kind of assessments to check that people are learning the right points. So thinking about, OK, they can go off and learn something, but how do we assess that? How do we check that that skill is being transferred into the business? What change are we looking for? Is it skill? Is it knowledge transfer? Is it behaviour? How do we measure that? Um, and then using instructor-led training to kind of have a bit of guide. So that might be jumping on a Teams call or having drop-in sessions. So, for example, I'm just doing some very complex systems training, which would have been in a classroom. Um, and we've come up with some really innovative ways of helping people to learn that through some simulation, some working in a sandpit, but then having drop-in sessions where they can actually check what they're doing and ask those questions that the material can't second-guess because they haven't had that tutor input. And finally, probably keeping some instructor-led training because it always will have a place. I firmly believe that. But for making sure that we're using it for where it's essential for a skill to be mastered. So, for example, in the NHS, clinical skills have to be observed. You can't you can train somebody without having them in a classroom and how to insert a cannula in someone's hand, but you don't want to let them do it until you've evidenced that they can do it well. And um, so it, it's it's kind of looking at that layering, I think, if, if that answers your question. It really does. I, I, I mean, it, it really does. There's, a, there's such a there's such a cultural aspect to, I think, what you are describing there, Lisa, because there's no doubting that self-experience is here to stay, right? I think people want to be able to do things on their own when they want to do it and they want the autonomy. But if you if you take the organizational layer, right, I've got to ensure, though, that what you're learning or how you're learning it is applied. And it goes back again to what's the role of the leader in that, but also what's the design of the learning organization to really facilitate that. So these shifting sands are, are, are here to stay. But the, the, the undeniable, and, and, and I, I want to get your opinion on this, Donald, the undeniable, though, is the learning has still got to be relevant to the strategy of the organisation, the rationale of why you're doing it, and the fixation on the outcome. Otherwise, it's content for content's sake, right? And it's, and it's a learning activity for, for learning activity's sake. Donald, your, your, your thoughts on that point? Yeah, really, really interesting. And if I go back to your block toilet analogy and, and your YouTube video, which, which I always laugh at, because you're absolutely right. Uh, for, for so many individuals, Google is the starting point of the learning experience. And uh, you've just got to accept that that is the case. So that being the case, why is Google the starting point? Because they're there anyway, on their mobile, uh, generally on their mobile. So, so uh, you know, why, why, why push against water? It's it, it's pretty difficult. Um, so, so what we found is is, is a couple of things. Um, one is learning is most effective when people have got a problem. You 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 were looking up the video because you had a blocked toilet and you needed to resolve it. So, yeah. and and it was easy and accessible. So, so make it easy and accessible. So, what we are doing. Um, as an organization and using technology is to try and embed it into the applications that people are in, um, which, which is why things like our experience layer with SAP Workzone is very much to that point. You know, they're in that experience, stick the learning where they're likely to be and, and then make it relevant by the curation methodology. The other thing is the, the consumerization of, of learning. So, that's seen a shift. So if I look at the analysis that we did around what 
content types are the most effective uh, and, 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 and most desired by individuals. It's things like video, curated content. Mobile is, is king because obviously people carry their mobile around with them. They don't want traditional long e-learning or instructor-led. They want bite-sized that gets to the point. Um, I really like the ability to uh, obviously test and make sure that, that learning has been understood, but putting the right learning in the right place. And that's why, um, you know, some of the technology that we use, such as ELSA, which is our, our, our embedded um, having a widget on the browser that, that you can say, right, I'm going to highlight a word and I want the appropriate learning that has been ratified by the organisation for that point in the flow of work. And I want to be able to bring it in direct from my browser without having to go hunting for it is, is a great way. So I'm, I'm completely with uh, with Lisa on lots of the points that she made. But it always goes back to the the, the point that I think about when I'm looking at learning and, and getting the right learning for the need is not all learning is equal. So you've got to really do your homework. You've got to really look up your references. You've got to speak to other people about what's working and what's not working. Lisa, you've probably got a point on that. I see your hand raised. Well, I think something else I just wanted to mention, which I, I think has really come into the foreground from us and that's around evaluation. I think over the years historically people have decided there's a training need and they've delivered that training need but they haven't taken the time necessarily to understand the breadth of difference that it's made and I think now is an essential time to do that because as people take on more of this hybrid learning and there is so much learning available to them that if evaluation, learning from what we've done is, is, is more key than ever and, and using what we learn from that evaluation to, to re-educate ourselves in terms of what the next iteration of training needs to be. And I think there's never been a more important time to do that and to look at models of evaluation um, to, to, to really check that something's landed well. So, so one, of the, one of the questions, one of the questions that I wanted to ask linking to that point is that during the pandemic, the, the relationship between learning and you know, critical business processes or, or however we want to describe it, I, I think we started to see the merging. So to the point we've been discussing, you have learning for learning's sake, you have a learning event, but does this learning actually influence a critical business outcome? right? Or a critical part of our business proposition. So, Steve, I know you and I were talking throughout the pandemic and our observations, and I know that you had customers that couldn't do physical events, right? Yeah. So the pandemic stopped those physical events happening, and the organization had to really think about, well, how do we now get that content across? Yeah. Right? What do, what do we do differently? And I remember you sharing an example with me that really hit the heart of that. Yeah. So a major fashion retailer that we've worked with for a long time, when they used to launch their new product range, everybody used to converge on uh, one location and to see the new products on the catwalk, then also get involved in how are we going to sell these products to our, how do they complement each other, how are we going to sell them on to the, to the, the people who enter the stores up and down the country. And this was a huge process um, that they used to enter into a few times a year. And with the pandemic, 
they had to do it in an entirely different way. And they, they put it online and it's been an enormous success. And obviously, and it's, it's now been repeated on, on three occasions for different uh, different seasons. So that was absolutely fantastic. Actually seeing, helping a, an organisation pull together and, and meet a critical business need and at the same time save money and become more effective overnight. And that's the key. I think that's the key, isn't it? Right. I mean, we, we all learn. I think this is an, I think we all now understand that as we go into the next 10, 20 years, being able to reskill and to be an active learner is going to be a really important attribute. But equally, though, I want to be learning stuff that has a business impact and relevancy. Lisa, you, you would add to that? I would add to that. I mean, I think the other things we're seeing, I think there's going to be a lot of um, change in personnel within organisations. So I think the need for onboarding or re-onboarding, even revisiting induction for existing colleagues because ways of working is so different. And I think that that in itself um, is something that we're seeing a trend for, but looking at innovative ways of doing that. So things like building tours where you can uh, have an interactive video-based experience or a 3D modelled-based experience and also things like risk assessment where people can't go out and do the risk assessment that they did previously. We're seeing quite a big interest in virtual reality for doing risk assessments both for fire safety and particularly in the the construction industry. So I think it is about not just thinking about digital learning to replace mandatory training that we've done before. It's about thinking about what's the potential what's the art of the possible and thinking because people's expectations are just going up and up correct yeah absolutely and i want to just build on that with donald for a second there you know relevancy we i think we always talk about relevancy relevancy reimagination you touched there lisa on you know things around construction and regulation and re-onboarding and again it's that making sure that somebody can do what they need to be able to do and whatever the intervention is, it's going to make a difference to them. So to, to Donald, I, I wanted to sort of just bridge into, you know, Lisa said there's going to be changes in the future. You know, what do you see, thinking about the next sort of 12, 36 months, what do you think will be some of those additional considerations in terms of learning or strategy or execution and some of the points that Lisa and Steve have made? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, this point. Uh, so the empirical um uh, evidence uh, pre and post COVID is 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 pretty um, uh, amazing uh, when you're looking at it. I mean, we used to talk about pre COVID, sixty percent of the knowledge you have today would be redundant in three to five years. My goodness, has that accelerated? I mean, you're now looking at the latest figures that that we got were were round about the fifty seven percent of 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 individuals would need. To have significant reskilling by 2022, I mean, <laughs> that's just unheard of. And and on the um, uh, ability to cross scale, upscale, on board, couldn't agree more. We are seeing a huge demand for things like social uh, onboarding technologies, and and then the ability to um, uh, to to test and make sure that people have actually understood and there's an impact on the training. I mean. Uh, Going back to the more traditional Kilpatrick models, absolutely. But um, on the hoof type of experience insights are, are what many um, of our learning and development uh, friends are, are, are looking for. 
In terms of 12 to 36 months, the empirical evidence is really interesting. So in our research, well over 60% of the people we spoke to said things will never go back to the way they were before, which is pretty, pretty massive. And, and as a result, we're seeing uh, real growth in, in many of the learning technologies that, that, that we see today. So um, things like uh, learning experience platforms, curated learning, and we're doing a lot of work around um, and this whole idea of the talent marketplace, bringing together uh, everything and all of the technologies that you would need uh, the, the process that you need to develop you as an individual to make yourself best positioned for the future. So, yeah, I, I, I would completely concur with what's been said. Dramatic change and it's here to stay. I think when I sort of summarise, and I'm going to ask you uh, one final question, guys, and because I know we could keep on talking, but um, it's been really interesting for me today listening that the thread has been when it's never going to be the same again. Um, our preferences have changed, how we consume has changed. But yet when I listen to a, a number of your insights today, it still goes back to doing the basic fundamentals brilliantly. You know, it still goes back to, as a business, what are you trying to achieve? You know, how do you ensure relevancy in terms of the content, in terms of the evaluation, Lisa, as you've mentioned, in terms of those structured check-ins? So it's not fighting against what's changing but it's still ensuring that it's about success um and 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 sometimes that can get lost can't it right the the fascination can be about the learning style or the media or the video or the look and feel etc but it still has to come back to that point about relevancy and executing the strategy and being compliant and actually as we've said on this um on this episode today the well-being of the individual so so i'd like to close out if i may because we've talked about a heck of a lot today so let's sort of just try and narrow in a little bit for the people who are listening so lisa and steve if i can start with you and um you know for those listening today and and and, and they they're, they're sort of tuning into some of our insights what would be you know some of your tips and guidance because you're working with a range of customers as we all are and and I think we're all learning, aren't we? Right. So one of the great things about doing this podcast is, is hopefully that we're sharing with others. So what would be perhaps two or three tips, guidance, nuggets, you know, any sort of learning advice for anybody listening in? If I could start with you, Lisa and Steve. Well, well for me, uh, I would say it's about going back to basics. So I think if, if you're thinking about a learning need within your organisation, so if you're in that position of having to think about how you address that, um, it's taking the time to really understand what it is that you're trying to solve. Is it a problem and, and what you're trying to solve and taking the time to evidence that the problem exists and to, to really truly get to grips with it. And then based on that, um, seek out what information you can in terms of what do people want? What does your audience want? What do they need? What's going to best sit with them? Uh, rather than rushing in and doing something that perhaps you've done before or assuming that you've got the answer and that it's going to be a best fit. And I think that will really help by understanding how people have transitioned the way they learn, getting their input into what a good solution would look like will really help you to determine what to what to strive for 
and I think just adding to that, don't be scared of pushing the boundaries in terms of creativity because our learners are expecting more and they're expecting something great. And that's about making sure you've got the right budget to be able to do that. Um, and that might mean investment. So there's a few factors, I think, to, to build on there. Steve, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think one of the things that's that's fascinating right now, we've talked about how the the, the, the volumes of work are, are going sky high. What we're, What's really interesting is that we're seeing that in the private sector, the public sector, and education all when we've never seen that before we've never seen all three of those sectors in a boom simultaneously that's just unheard of and what's really interesting as well is the way that people go out about in terms of procuring the services that they wish to to receive and i think that's where we can play a really big part in terms of the consultancy that we provide at the front end enabling them to choose the right solution for the right reasons and for it to be successful into the future that's a huge point i mean it's 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 something that we advocate it's something that we all talk about you mentioned the word consult and i do think it is going back to the the point that lisa was making about really just challenge yourself what is the need yeah what for you know what outcome you know is it the right thing i i think those are massive points donald if i may ask uh, for your nuggets to close us out today. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. So it's really, really interesting going to uh, to, to Lisa and Steve's point. Um, so um, know your customer, I, I think is critical. And we did a lot of, of, of work around the, the, the types of learners, but also the difference between uh, the need to learn and the want to learn uh, and, and, and really understand that. Um, in, in terms of um, where the, the, the money or the budgets are being spent, um, you, you know, we've, we've seen a massive uptake in the, in the, in the delivery using micro-learning, e-learning, digital means. And, and that's been paid for because guess what? External trainers and events is, is a downtick. We're seeing a massive, because you just can't do it. And, and, and as a result of all that, there's a huge amount of money being saved that can be repositioned to do a lot of the great things and, and, and really uh, kind of push the boundaries in relation to that. So I, I completely agree with that. And um, take risks, you know, be innovative, try new things, speak to people within your network, speak to people without your network, um, and then measure, measure, measure. It, it, it's not a, a, a one size fits all. I'm going to do my annual survey, which has probably got one question in it. You know, what do you think of our L&D strategy? Measure, measure, measure constantly and adapt. Don't be scared. Innovate. And, and that's my, my kind of nuggets of the day. Marvellous. Marvellous. I think this has been a great conversation. I think it's a debate that is happening across many uh, of our colleagues, across many of our customers. There's no right or wrong, right? I think there is a shared challenge here. And uh, hopefully, for those who are listening in today, they will uh, have appreciated some of our insights, some of our thoughts, some of our observations. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's been great. I've loved it. So I just want to say Thank you very much to, to Lisa and Steve. Thank you very much, Thank uh, you. Donald. Really appreciate your time, your yeah. insights today. And uh, yeah, we, uh, we thank you very much. Thanks thank very you. much.